You know, uh, I used to teach school. When people ask me what I taught, I usually say heathens. And, and, and there, there's a reason I say that. My students were handpicked for me. They didn't choose the high academic. They choose the ones that no other teacher wanted in their class. And the lessons I learned from the difference between my father and my mother allowed me to handle those kids. You see, my, my father was what we called where I grew up, a, a butt-kicking um, general. You will do what I say. And so he ruled by fear. And you know what happens when those who rule by fear, what happens to them is that one day you reach the point you're no longer afraid. And I probably reached that about 12 or 13 years old. I had been beat with everything you could be beaten with. And it hadn't killed me yet, and I was betting he wasn't going that far. So come on and beat. I'll do what I want to, and I, or I, I won't. And my brother would say, if you'll just start crying, he'll quit. I say, he will never see me cry. Now that was the way my dad dealt with me. My mother was totally different. I'd walk in the house and she'd say, come here, honey. And she put her arm around me and she said, you know, you're the best boy I got. She only had two. I'm sure she told him the same thing. Would you go out and dig me some potatoes? And I'd grab a bucket and a hoe and here I'd go. She said, now, don't dig them, just, you know, take your hands and get them out. We're going to have new potatoes tonight. And I'd go get them. There was nothing I wouldn't do for her. And the one thing that I did not want to happen was for her to be disappointed in me. Did I care if dad was disappointed in me? No, because I'd never done anything to please him anyway. I quit trying. What's that all got to do with anything? Let's look at Matthew, the 27th chapter, 22nd chapter. And we'll begin reading at 30, verse 35. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said unto them, now, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute, let me, before we start reading that, let me, let me make a comment here. 
it would appear that the lawyer is asking Jesus to rate the commandments of God. Would it not? Would it not appear that the lawyer is saying, out of all the commandments that God's given us, which one is the greatest? And surely Jesus is going to correct him and say, everything that God spoke is the same. Isn't he? Ryder's shaking his head no. He must have read this before. What did Jesus answer? He said unto him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. What does foremost mean? Numero uno. The top. And then he says... And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend the whole law and the prophets. And I can sit down. Russell doesn't have to. But, you know. You gotta ask the question, why is that? Why is it? Why are those the ones that are important? Let me ask you a question, and you don't have to answer. Does God view that as the most important commandment? Does God view that principle as foremost? Has he done anything at all that would indicate to us that that is true? And I don't even have to ask you where we're going from here because you already know. The most quoted verse in the Bible is what? John 3.16. And what does it say? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe in him, should not perish, but have eternal life. Everlasting in the King James. Wow. God did what? God so loved. God loved the world so much in modern English. 
that he gave his only begotten son. For us. Is it too much to ask that we love him back? Is it too much to ask that we recognize that as the most important concept in all of God's word? The most, the foremost commandment? Why did God send his son? Well, you know, John wrote, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the two quarters plus that we spent in 1 John. It's a long book. It takes a long time to cover it properly. But in 1 John, the fourth chapter in the eighth verse, he says, well, let's read seven and eight. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God, love, synonyms. Huh? God, love, synonyms. God is love. And then in verse 16 he says, And we have come to know and have believed the love of which God has for us, God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. So, how do we abide in God? God is what? Love. Love is God. If we abide in love, we abide in God. If we abide in God, we abide in love. Once again, we're still stuck in the same idea that the foremost concept is what? Love. So how do we abide in love? Let's look at 1 John chapter 5. We're going to read the first three or four verses. I'll stop when I'm done. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and whoever loves the Father loves the child born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. 
and his, his commandments are not burdensome. So how do we demonstrate that we love God? We keep his commandments. That's the difference between the motivation of fear and the motivation of love. My father caused me to exhibit the motivation of fear for a while. My mother caused me to exhibit the motivations of love her whole life. And till the day she died, I would not do anything to disappoint her. That's what God wants from us. If that's our motivation, guess what? It doesn't matter what he says. We'll do it. So let's take a, a minute and think about how we can exhibit love. And where would you go for that? Maybe 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. Would that be a good place to go? I think so. If I speak with the tongue of men and angels but do not have love, I'm just a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. You ever heard a symbol that had a little bit of a crack in it. It gives a bad sound. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge and if I have all faith as to remove mountains but do not have love, I am nothing. We have seen those people who will let you know up front they have all knowledge. Haven't we? We've seen those people that, act, that try to act like they know everything. And if you really want to get on their bad side, prove to them that they don't. Oh. It gets ugly. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits nothing. And then it tells us what love looks like. Love is patient. God is love. Love is patient. God is what? Patient. You know how I know God's patient? Well, first of all, he gave Noah a hundred years to build an ark before he killed the evil people of that day. Secondly, I know of stuff I've done in my life, and if he hadn't been patient, I'd have been zapped a long time ago. I bet you can think, think of the same things, can't you? 
Love is patient. Love is kind. What do we know about an unkind person? Unkind is not love. Is not jealous. Love does not brag. So the braggadocious person, what do we know? Love does not brag. Is not arrogant. This is just something I want us to think about. God loved me enough to send his son to die because I have sinned. What do I have to be arrogant about? Love is not arrogant. Love does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not keep score when somebody does something to you. I'm sorry, it doesn't read that, does it? does not take into account a wrong suffered, does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails. You know what? My, my wife loves her baby. And you know what? He'll always be her baby. And if he needs her, she'll drop whatever's going on to make sure that she's able to help him. I like the discussion we had in class this morning about our prayers. And the statement Alan made is like, some of us pray like, uh, Lord, if I ain't bothering you too much, would you mind listening? I got this little problem I want you to help me with if you, want, if you feel like it, if you can work it into your schedule. He's our father. If we need him, he'll drop whatever he's doing and take care of us, won't he? Of course, he doesn't have to drop. He can multitask. Why? Because it's love.
I seem to be stuck on the writings of John tonight. In John, the 14th chapter, and the 21st verse, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him and will disclose myself to him. How do we demonstrate that we love Christ? How do we demonstrate that we love the Father? Just do what he asks us to. Chapter 15, verses 9 and 10. Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. We say that we are followers of Christ, right? And what does Jesus have John write to us here? The words of Jesus are, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments just as I have loved my father and have kept his commandments. The example is there for us. What's the motivation? What's the motivation? Not fear. What's the motivation? Love. Verse 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So he commanded me to love Kyle. You know what? He commanded Kyle to love me. We love each other. We have to love all of each other. And by doing that, what do we do? We show that we love him because we are following his commandments. So where does all this lead us? It leads us two places. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. And we're going to read the 13th verse. But now abide faith, hope, and love. These three. Faith. Faith. 
Faith is what? Our belief, isn't it? What do we believe in? What is hope? Hope is that desire within us, that feeling within us that we want to attain something. Our faith is in God, in Christ, in all that he said to us. We believe him. Our hope is in God, in Christ, in all that he promised us. We believe him. Now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three. When it all boils down, that's what you got. You got your belief, you got your hope, and you got love. And they're equal. And close the book. Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Faith is. And close the book. No, no, love it. Uh, hope it. No, no. In order to make sure that there is no question, Paul writes to the Corinthians and says, But the greatest of these is love. You see, that matches where we started. Where did we start? We started with the lawyer asking Christ, which is the greatest commandment. And Christ didn't correct him and say they're all the same. He did not. So why do we? And Paul says they're not all the same. The greatest of these is love. So what is love? What is the love he's talking about? What is what will love do that faith won't do? What will love do that hope won't do? Love will be the motivation that causes us to go that extra mile. Isn't it? We prove that we love him by keeping his commandments. And in the last chapter of Revelation, in the 14th verse, in the King James, I got to tell you, I'm reading from the King James. Yours will read differently. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they might have the right to the tree of life and may enter in through the gates into the city. That's a statement of faith. That's a statement of hope. But love will be what causes us 
to obey the commandments in order to get it done. Let's never forget. Yes, we need to preach fire and brimstone. Yes, we need to preach thou shalt, thou shalt not. But before we preach that, we need to preach love. Before we preach that, we need to, to cause the feeling of love within ourselves and others. And how do we do that? We do that with our lives, with our relationships with each other. With our willingness to submit ourselves to others and to serve. Blessed are they who keep his commandments because that's the way we're going to enter in to the city. The city where our, our home is being prepared for us. If there's anyone here this evening who needs the attention of the congregation in any way, won't you come forward as we stand and sing?